you don't have a Bible at home, uh, we'd love for you to take that Bible home with you as uh, our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word uh, that you can study uh, in your house uh, and bring to worship. Uh, Psalm 124, and uh, tomorrow is the 4th of July, the day we, we mark and, and celebrate the birth of a new nation, the nation in which we live, the United States of America. And if we were to ask if there was one person who was absolutely indispensable to uh, the American independence and the thriving of that new nation, there's, there's really one name that would rise above all of the rest. And that would be the name of George Washington. You know, America's favorite, favorite fighting Frenchman, uh, Marquis de Lafayette, wrote to Washington as he was serving in the Continental Army. He said, if you were lost for America, there is nobody who could keep the army and the revolution going even for six months. To quote the musical Hamilton again, uh, it must be nice to have Washington on your side. If it had not been for George Washington on the side of the colonies, if it had not been George Washington as the general of the Continental Army, if it had not been for George Washington as the first president, where would America be? But George Washington knew that he wasn't the one ultimately to whom thanks were due. In his Thanksgiving proclamation of 1789, he called the people of the new nation, the United States, to devote a whole day to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all of the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country prior to becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence which we have experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war and for the degree of tranquility union and plenty which we have since enjoyed the people of that new nation might have said if it had not been for George Washington but George Washington said if it had not been for God now the United States of America, as, as much as we love the country in, in which we live, the United States of America has no special place in God's plan of creation and redemption like the Old Testament nation of Israel did. The U.S. may persist until the coming of the Lord, or it may not persist until the coming of the Lord. And we leave that to God's good providence. He is good and he does good. Amen? We are but one Gentile nation among all the nations, all the Gentile nations of the earth who have been blessed through Israel in the coming of the Messiah. But in human terms, in human terms, the people of the Old Testament Israelites, the people who would have sung these songs of ascent on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they looked at David as their George Washington, but on a whole other level. David won Israel's spectacular military victories, always when they were the underdog, starting with his shocking defeat of the giant Goliath. 
People sang songs about him in reference to their current king. They said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. And David finally ascended to the throne, and he established Jerusalem, and he made preparations for God's temple to be built. He overcame opposition and obstacles, including many that he created for himself to rule his people well. From the time of his reign on, the people of Israel saw David as their ideal king. Everyone was measured against David. Next to David, they all looked small. When they thought about their national history, the people of Israel might have said, If it had not been for King David, if it had not been King David that was on our side. And that David is the David who wrote this psalm, Psalm 124. And in this psalm, he points the Israelites of his day. He points future generations of Israelites who would sing this psalm on their way to worship in Jerusalem. And he points us, the church, the new covenant people of God, away from himself. And to another, he says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. So look with me at Psalm 124, and I'd ask you to stand if you're able in honor of God's word. All right, there's a a verse here that says... uh, Let Israel now say, in that next line, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, I want you to read that with me, okay? If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's thank the Lord for his word this morning. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you that you have inspired and preserved this word for your people today. That having read now these words of David, these words that were treasured by your people throughout their history, that were sung on the way to worship in Jerusalem, Lord, help us now to consider if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Ready us, Lord, Holy Spirit to receive what your word has to say to us today and transform us by it. And we ask this for our good, Lord, because it is for our good that we see you as the all-surpassing treasure. It is for our good that we live according to your law. It is for our good that we learn to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love one another and our neighbors as ourselves. But even more than that, Lord, we ask uh, this for your glory. Lord, that your glory, your honor, your love and mercy, your character would be on display in our lives. Lord, make us like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. August 30th, 
1998 uh, was my 18th birthday. And I was uh, the week before uh, stepping onto a plane to move from Demopolis, Alabama to a, a suburb of Tokyo, Japan. Uh, and so uh, the day of my 18th birthday, uh, I'm in a new country away from family and friends, a place where I don't speak the language, I, I can't read. Uh, it was incredibly disorienting and also incredibly exciting. And uh, I had a team, a mission team there, uh, and though they didn't know me well, uh, outside of one person, uh, they decided to throw me a little 18th birthday party. And so that night I was invited to get on my bike, which was my primary mode of transportation uh, in Japan, uh, and ride over to an address that they had provided for me. And at that house we had cake, and they sang to me in English and Japanese, and it was, it was a beautiful way to, to celebrate my first week in Japan and my 18th birthday. But as I started to leave, I had gone to the house in the daylight, and as I started to leave, it was dark. And then it began to rain. And then it began to pour as I'm riding my bike, and I realized after riding for about 10 minutes, I have no idea where I am. I had gotten completely turned around, and I was lost. And so what do you do when you're lost in a new country in the dark and in the rain and you just pedal harder in the direction you think is the right way? It wasn't. And so uh, as I'm frantically pedaling and looking around for help for some sign that will be in English, which none of them were, uh, tears began to roll down my face and I began to think about what, what was going to happen to me this night. And I was glad that it was raining, so if I did come across anybody, they couldn't tell that I'd been crying. And I did see an old man under an umbrella. So I slowly rode my bike up to him, and I hopped off and walked it right up to him. And I, I said, excuse. I had no Japanese language at all, and I, so I just said, excuse me, sir. And he turned and looked at me. It was immediately apparent that he had no English. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I tried for a minute to, to tell him my situation. He just got a completely blank stare. And so, uh, by God's grace, immediately I, I remembered uh, that uh, there was a department store uh, next to my apartment building, and that its name was in giant letters, and it was probably the most prominent building in this particular suburb. Uh, and, and so I just said the name of the department store, just go, just go. He looked at me for a minute, and then he pointed. And I said, domo arigato, the only words in Japanese that I knew at that point. And I began to ride in the direction of his point, and I finally made it home. Just in time for a birthday call from some loved ones back home. I've occasionally wondered, what might have happened to me if not for that man? On a more significant scale, I have sometimes wondered what would have happened to me if it had not been for Shannon, the wife that God provided to me, or, or any one of our kids. What if it had not been pastoral ministry into which the Lord called me? What if it had not been Back Creek Church to which the Lord called me? Do you have a moment like that, or, or maybe several, where you wonder, what if? What if it hadn't been for this, this person, this situation, this turning point? 
In this psalm, David calls his people and through them us to think back on times of significance, times of peril, times of opposition, and to do at least three things. The first is to consider. He calls the people and us to consider, and he does that in verse 1 through 5. He says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us. There were many times in David's life and in his reign as king when people rose up against him. He could have specifically named in this psalm the particular situation, the people and the place, the enemy that he was thinking of. I think by the leading of the Holy Spirit, this was left general. And so generations of God's people could read or sing this psalm and consider their own experiences and the history of their nation. David asks them to consider what would have happened if it had not been the Lord on their side. He first uses the metaphor of an animal devouring its prey. He said, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. And David knew about animals swallowing up their prey. David had been a shepherd and he had kept his father's flock in the fields and he had had to defend that flock and himself against fearsome predators. And when he goes to visit his brothers and takes supplies to them, and he sees and hears the giant Goliath rising up against Israel. He considers how the Lord delivered him in the field. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. Saul was the king at the time, and he sent for David. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, meaning Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. And he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David and said to him, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, 
You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. If it had not been the Lord who was on David's side, If it had not been the Lord who chose him and loved him and anointed him to be king, who had a plan for his life, then he might have been swallowed alive by the lion or by the bear in the field. And most certainly he would have been defeated by the giant Goliath who had been a man of war since his youth. But what we know from scripture is that the Lord was on David's side. The Lord delivered him out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear and out of the hand of the Philistine giant. The second metaphor that David uses in this psalm is the metaphor of overwhelming waters. He says, if the Lord had not been on our side, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. And as Israelites are singing this psalm or reading it and thinking, they would have immediately connected the idea of these uh, overwhelming waters to something like the Genesis flood. That if it had not been for the Lord who was on Noah's side, then humanity would not have been preserved. They would think about the Red Sea when the people of Israel had been led out of slavery in Egypt by the Lord through the miraculous plagues. And now they come to the Red Sea and they cannot cross this sea on foot. And they don't know what to do. What does the Lord do? He parts the waters so that his people can walk through between the overwhelming waters on dry land. And then as they finish going through and Pharaoh decides to pursue them with his army, the waters come down on Pharaoh's army, the waters of judgment. Later, Israelites might have thought of the prophet Isaiah and his words in chapter 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. This psalm of ascent calls us to consider what would have surely happened to us if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Would you be who you are and where you are today if it had not been the Lord who was on your side? Would you have made it through that particular trial? Would you have received These blessings that you now enjoy if it had not been the Lord who was on your side. The answer for David, the answer for the people of Israel throughout history, and the answer for us is no. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would be lost. And not only lost in the situations and circumstances of our lives, we would be lost eternally. This table that we're going to come to in just a few minutes, this table reminds us what surely would have happened to us if it had not been for the Lord on our side. The justice of Almighty God would have righteously fallen on us. 
for our rejection of and rebellion against the Lord through sin. Our bodies would be broken. Our blood shed. The eternal judgment of the righteous and holy God that we earned would be our future. But the Lord's Supper proclaims the good news that it is the Lord who is on our side. The Lord came for us. And in our place, his body was broken and his blood was shed. And he endured the judgment that we deserved. Considering these things, Paul exclaims in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who who is at the right hand of the throne of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Consider that this table, consider that this book, Consider that the gospel declares it is the Lord who is on your side. What could have and should have happened to us did not. And it never will because it is the Lord who is on our side. Our enemies and our opponents, the world, the flesh, and the devil will not and cannot win because it is the Lord who is on our side. In any and all of the circumstances in our lives, all the way up to distress and persecution and poverty and threat and loss and suffering and even death, my brothers and sisters, it is the Lord who is on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? When David considers... What would have been if it had not been for the Lord on his side? He is spiritually moved. And as a result, he worships and he calls his people to worship. First he calls us to consider and then he calls us to worship. This was always meant to be a song sung corporately. And we see that in verse 1 when David says, Let Israel now say. And David calls the people of God to worship in light of the truth that it is the Lord who is on our side. He says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. When we come to this table, considering what we have escaped 
because it is the Lord who is on our side. When we come having examined ourselves, knowing what he saved us from and what he saved us to, our response is rightly worship. When we come to this table remembering that Though we did not deserve it, the Lord has chosen to be on our side. We are moved to worship him. We are moved to sing through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. We're moved to sing as we did just a few minutes ago. And when I think that God, his son not spared, Sent, me t- sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art. Blessed be the Lord, because he is on our side, and we have escaped. As we consider and as we are moved to worship, David calls us further to trust. And we see that in verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I may not know exactly where you need help today, but I know exactly to whom you can go for it. I may not know the circumstances that feel to you like being swallowed whole by an animal or being overcome by raging waters, but I know who is your help even in these circumstances. It is the Lord who made heaven and earth. It is the Lord who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And therefore the promise is, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The Lord is on your side. And there is no better place to remember this. And there is no better place on earth to deepen our trust than sitting under his word, sitting at his table. So the invitation is for all of you who know with David, if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you would have been devoured by the enemy. You would have been overwhelmed by the waters of your sin and the waters of judgment. But you who know with David that it it was the Lord who was on your side. And you know it because he did not withhold his son from you, but gave him to you willingly. So that you could be forgiven of your sins. So that you could be washed and clean. So that you could be reconciled and adopted. So that you could have eternal life and eternal joy with him. So that you could sit at the feast table at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And say with all the saints and all the angels. Blessed be the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you know it is the Lord who is on your side. If you have received redemption in his name, his invitation to you is to come to this table and feed on him. To come admitting your need. 
recognizing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that the Lord Jesus Christ is that Savior. You need his broken body and his shed blood in your place for your sins so that you might receive all these things. Come acknowledging that as you confess your need, he embraces you as his child and that you are welcome to receive all of the benefits in Christ by faith. And as you come to this table, you come celebrating. You have escaped. The Lord is on your side. Now, if today you do not yet know the Lord, you do not yet know that he is on your side, then our counsel to you would be to please allow the elements to to simply pass you by, and we ask that uh, humbly, and and we do so out of respect and out of love for you. See, the scriptures uh, give us clear warning. If we come to the Lord's table and we partake of these elements, what we're doing is a holy thing instituted by Christ himself. And those who partake apart from faith, those who partake in open rebellion against God, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So please allow these elements to pass you by, but we would encourage you, implore you today to consider that all you need to know is that the Lord Jesus Christ came, that he died, that he rose, that he lives, and that he will return and turn to him in trust, turn to him in repentance, believe the gospel and be saved. So for all of you who are his, come to the table. Let's pray together and ask the Lord's blessing on our time around his table. Lord Jesus, what a gift. As we have considered, if it had not been for you on our side, what would have happened to us regarding our enemies? We know uh, with David that you have prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. This table is a place of nourishment for us, as it proclaims the gospel to us, as it acts as a means of grace to us. Lord, help us to fully apprehend you in this supper. Lord, we're going to take these common elements, bread and juice, and as we partake of them, they're going to remain bread and juice, but we ask that you would set them apart, that you would consecrate them to a holy purpose, that In partaking, we would spiritually partake of your body and your blood. That we would be built up in our faith, that we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, and that we would be reminded it is the Lord who is on our side. Help us to look to Jesus. To look to the bloody cross and the empty tomb to know that the Lord is on our side. Bless our time together around this table, Lord. Make us utterly thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This table is not um, back to Greek church's table. It's not a Presbyterian table. It's the Lord's table. So if you have publicly made known uh, that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, if you have believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, his invitation to you is to come. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it.